Hey guys, welcome to the Dead Set Legends podcast. I'm Gus Wallen. Wade Graham standing in for Wendell Saylor, Jude Bond, oh, yeah. and Gus Wallen. Wade, oh, great to have you on the show, mate. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Thanks for having me. Mate, um, the Sharkies got it done last night. It must have made you happy. I think everyone in Cronulla is uh, happy this weekend. We banked the two points and we can have a good Saturday and Sunday now after the boys got home last night. So good job, fellas. Good job. You know what I'm looking forward to is just your comments on the Brisbane Broncos because normally Dell just sits on the fence. Yeah. It's more splinters than anything. It would be lovely to have an opinion from that microphone at some stage, but of course we need to talk about Paul Gallen, you know, one of the toughest blokes to play rugby league, but is he one of the toughest full time? I mean, you must have watched that on Wednesday night and gone, I know that bloke can do it, but he, he just does it again. Oh, just exceptional, isn't he? Uh, the effort he puts into, you know, obviously boxing now, but for what many, many years, rugby league fans um, saw at all levels, club level, origin level, um, test level. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt in his will and his effort in competition, um, but he came up against a guy last oh this week. who's was super impressive, isn't he? How, you know, young guy going to represent our country going at the Olympics. Olympics yeah. um, and he looked good. He looked really good. So, you know, credit the gal and, and his effort. Um, he's a good friend of mine. I hope he's relaxing and he's uh, certainly earned a little bit of time off. But just as soon as he's su- super well. impressive. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Gow does like, like his money, so he'll be enjoying that. Cash money too, over a million bucks. Thank you very much, but he earned it. What about you, mate? The AFL having some fantastic close finishes, and last night the Cats, who I reckon are the smoky to win the win the whole thing, uh, got it done after the siren. Yeah, Gary Rowan was outstanding. I mean, they've got a, such a, an impressive forward line. I thought Tom Stewart off the half-back line was outstanding. He was played one of the best half-back games at all time. But, uh, yep, Gary Rowan got it done after the siren in a top-four clash. Yeah, fantastic. All right, let's move on because we have a special guest dropping by into the podcast. Our next guest is a rugby league legend. Playing for the Newcastle Knights back in the day, he played over 161 games, plus three for Origin, and he was named in the Knights Team of the Era. But it's his work off the field that's his real legacy. By establishing the Mark Hughes Foundation, he's raised over $11 million and sold over 600,000 beanies to help people suffering from brain cancer. Please welcome Dead Set Legend. Mark Hughes. The Mark Hughes Foundation is a charity formed in Newcastle by Mark and Kira Lee Hughes following Mark's diagnosis with brain cancer in 2013. Of course, we know the story. He's much loved. The Mark Hughes Foundation's mission is to raise much-needed funds for research to create awareness and support brain cancer patients and their families. And, of course, it is the NRL's beanie round right now, so we've got him on the line on the Dead Set Legends. Hughesy, welcome to the show, mate. Uh, good morning, fellas. It's... Uh... It's been an amazing weekend again, you know, the rugby league community get behind us, the whole community, and um, everywhere I look, there's beanies and there's support. It's, it's been unreal. Look, we've, we've been with you every step of the way, all of us here at Triple M, mate. Um, how touching is it for you to know that you've got so many people that love what you're doing and are on this journey with you? Yeah, gosh, uh, as you know, you put a lot of effort in and, you know, charity can be a tough, it can be tough at times, hmm. but when you put all this work and preparation and effort in and then you get that belief and following from the community, um, it's a great feeling. And, you know, there's a lot of hard work goes into it, but um, it's just so rewarding to get this type of support so that, you know, we're giving ourselves a real chance of making, you know, an absolute real difference out there. And that's, that's, that's really important. Husey, it's Jude. It was sensational to be there on Wednesday, obviously at NRL headquarters and the first leg of the walk to the Opera House. It was just like hundreds there and just the support there was just phenomenal. And it was cross, cross code and different personalities. Was that something special for you? 
Oh, Jude, it was awesome. And I, I apologize, I, I didn't catch up with you, mate. But as you said, there was a lot of people there. And, um, wow, it was a great turnout. You know, I did my usual NRL launch inside the NRL headquarters. But to come out those doors and see this sea of people ready to do this 4K walk, like you say, mate, um, all different sports, all different types of people. Um, yeah, it was a really special morning, that. And it was a beautiful day. Wonderful. It was a nice walk. And um, it's something that I hope we can maybe keeping our um, beanie week because I think it's added a nice new new part to it. Use your here, mate. Firstly, um, congratulations on, on all the work you've done. It's, a, it's amazing to see um, how big it's actually grown. I was watching the footy the other night, um, or last night actually, Penrith versus the Roosters. It was great condition for beanies. And everywhere you looked across <laughs> the stadium, yeah. um, there was people wearing the beanies. Can you talk us through, firstly, when you started, did you believe um, – it could grow this big, and secondly, just the rugby league community, how they've got behind it, and um, and how much of a difference it's making. Uh, it's been huge, Wado, and um, you know, I think the first time we ordered beanies uh, before the beanie um, NRL beanie round, I think we ordered five thousand beanies or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> I designed the beanies; they were red and blue. Um, I think I have one of those ones still at really- home. <laughs> well in Newcastle but no one else wanted to buy it um, so I needed a new business plan um, so we um, come up with some good beanies the NRL jumped in the calendar family helped um, to inspire this and it's just the community have spoken and and you know what it's been the it's been the leading players like the blues and um, like, like yourself Bader, that have really just put the beanies on with a smile and and, and the leaders of our game have done that, and that, and then the fans and everyone have followed. So, um, we're aiming to sell about 185,000 beanies. Wow! Um, we announced last night we're at about 120,000 beanies. So, um, uh, it's an amazing. We're probably at two million dollars for this campaign. Um, we're aiming for three million. So, I'm encouraging people if they haven't got their beanie to get on the Mark Hughes Foundation website, or go to Lowe's and get better still, go into Lowe's and grab your beanie. Selected IGAs will get on the Mark Hughes Foundation website. But guys, couldn't be more prouder and thankful and grateful for, for what's going on. Amazing effort. There's not many awesome. better blokes awesome. in the world than you, Hughesy. And uh, Matty Johns tells the story about that culture you had, very similar to your culture at the Swannies, Jude. You know, and that's why you, you were successful. That's why you played for Origin and that's why you won Premiership. So we can just tell it in your voice, mate. And we're on this battle with you 100%. So uh, congratulations. Enjoy the walk. And let's hope that your Knights can get the get job done the this afternoon against the Warriors. And all the best with it, brother. Guys, as always, thank you so much for your support. Okay, let's talk about something else now. I reckon, boys, that the Winter Olympics are better to watch than the Summer Games. Hang on. Now, we're just about to have the Tokyo Olympics, but in 2022 and then in France a little bit later, we're going to have the Winter Olympics. And, Wado, I know your fiancé and uh, mother of your two beautiful boys uh, is Canadian. and uh, we, the hockey jersey. We, we caught up during the week, uh, Kerry Ann and myself, once we took the kids to the park, and we spoke about the Winter Olympics. <laughs> you are you white-handed yeah. again. We're sliding into DMs again, are you? Well, she's very nice, and I wanted to get an opinion from her. Hey, she's actually French-Canadian, French so be careful. She's oh. pretty fiery. Yeah, don't worry. No, I, I, I noticed that the other day. Um, but, big fella, she talks about the Winter Olympics being the Games. You don't agree. It's funny that this is a subject that, and I'm on, on this morning because this is a regular, um, chat of the house. Yeah. It's a regular debate in our household. So my, yeah, my fiance is from Montreal, very cold during the winter. Mm. Ice hockey is their number one sport. Um, yeah. And my partner thinks that the winter Olympics is actually the Olympics. 
She doesn't even know there's a Summer Olympics or just pay no attention to them at all. Like, they don't even exist. <laughs> like that whole thing that happened in Rome Ancient with the guys Greece. running around <laughs> nude and so forth. She doesn't take that as the Olympics. Well, that's all I had to educate her a little bit. I was like, baby, ancient Greece, they used to run around in the sun, no clothes, nude, throw rocks and, and javelins. Like it's run in the to, sun. Run to the place it's, marathon. Yeah. yeah. It's in the sun. Like, okay. It's not in the snow. So it's interesting that I'm here because... Yeah, like I said, this is a household debate that is still going on in our household. Okay. I can't, I can't cop this, Gus. There is no way the Winter Olympics are better than the summer. Like the blue ribbon event of the hundred meters is just phenomenal. What about the curling? Oh, the, the, the curling! Oh, that's just a, a highlight. I just sit down and just watch curling replays. Some of the gra- some of the greatest matches of all time: ice hockey, the USSR Russia against. The Americans in oh, ice hockey. I, I, I love it. Is a great spectacle. It's nowhere near as good as the Summer Olympics. Dave and Dee, while you've been listening to our chat, Dave, what are your feelings? Do you reckon the Winter Olympics is better or not as good as the Summer? Not as good as the Summer. Not even close. Why is that, Dave? Oh, well, it's not the Olympics. It's just people skiing and having a good time. It's a leisure activity. <laughs> oh, you reckon they a should have a gold activity. medal for apres skiing, Dave? Well, we go down to the snow for a bit of fun, not for nothing serious. So in our country, yeah, the Olympics doesn't exist to me. I tell, I tell you what, those downhill skiers, they're, they're not mucking around. There's no apres skiing going on there. Let's go to Jeremy now in West Pennant Hills. What are your thoughts, brother? Mate, first off, I'd like to say, Gus, I absolutely love what you do for mental health. Thank You're you. So many different types of ways, yep. but I can categorically promise you <laughs> there is you have never been more wrong in your life. <laughs> I love when he put the butt. Yeah. I love what you do, uh, but. but think about it. You've got the athletics, a 100-meter sprint. You've got the swimming. Mate, isn't your, doesn't your daughter play water polo? Is yeah. that in the Winter Olympics? Yeah. No. No, the pool would be frozen. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right, indeed. All right, can we turn okay. Jeremy down, please? He's, I know, I know yeah, where he's, he's going with it. It's not going to get. He's, he, I love how this he is not going to get any better for me. So, Bill in South Sydney, g'day, Bill. G'day, Gussie. How are you, mate? Very well, brother. What do you reckon? Mate, listen, I love what you do for mental health as well. Because um, just so you know, it's Billy Mack that you sent a message to in hospital about six weeks ago. I love your brother, and I really appreciated that oh, message. Awesome. But um, thanks. Bill. I'll go further. I've got a vested interest in this uh, because my niece is in this Australian softball team. Oh, uh, Stacey McManus, she's about to play softball over there. But, Gussie, me and you are on the same page, brother. Yeah. If, if you had to sit and watch a sport, one sport, for an hour, and you had to choose between curling and synchronised swimming, yes. I know what you would choose. Yes, Billy. Yes, Billy. Really? Oh. Who would watch synchronised swimming? You'd have put Rip Van Winkle back to sleep for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Billy. Let's move on to Johnny and Glebe. I appreciate that call, brother. G'day, John. G'day, Gus. How are you? Very well. What do you reckon? Winter or summer games? Gus, I never agree with you on anything, but I agree with you on winter this one time. Oh, yeah. What is it? Where's this accent <laughs> from, John? Uh, I'm from the U.S. Yeah. So you're you an ice hockey man or what, what, what do you like? Um, I, ice hockey is all right, but the Winter Olympics is fast, so you get the downhill skiing and the speed skating. Mm. Um, you also get sports that combine cross-country skiing where your heart rate goes crazy high, and then you've got to slow it down to shoot the guns in the biathlon. And what was Australia's greatest uh, Olympic Stephen event? Stephen Bradbury. Or yeah. Murray? Yeah, <laughs> but Bradbury. What, John, what do you use when you run 100 metres, your body? 
when you're swimming, your body, you don't use any tools. You've you got to help there. Okay, we don't, don't listen to Wade, John. Thank you very much for your comments. <laughs> Let's speak to Marnie in Freshwater. G'day, Marnie. Hi, how you going, guys? Good. Good what Marnie. do you reckon? Oh, it's got to be winter all the way. It's the adrenaline, it's the fast pace, it's all the crazy flipping in the air with the jumps. Yeah. What about the gymnast on the deck? Jackie Cooper. Oh, yeah, maybe. It's not quite as big. You've got to go bigger. Good on you, Marnie. I can't believe we've trawled through and got all these callers. There's more more callers to come. Let's talk to Dave in Cabramatta. G'day, Dave. Gus, easier to solve, mate. By the way, I love the new shaker. You're looking good, brother. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Dave. Mate, look. Who who is the greatest Olympic sprinter in a hundred meters of all time? Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. Right. Yeah. Who won the last bobsled? No idea. Yes, yeah, no there idea. it is. Checkmate, checkmate, Dave. Well done. Wait out at the moment for people that love the game of rugby league. You've played it at every level. You're a premiership winning player, but at the moment it's sort of a bit out of your hands when you're next next going to play. You've had a bit of a dodgy knee, but the head knock is the one we want to talk about right now. Just for all rugby league lovers, how are you travelling? Yeah, I'm going good. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really good. Um, you know, I don't have any symptoms. I didn't have any symptoms after the game, like in the sh- even in the sheds. It was obviously a really big knock and it didn't look great and I was dazed. Um, it's not easy to watch that sort of stuff. It's not easy to look at it and everyone obviously worries. I've had so many messages of support and um, people wishing me well. Um, and obviously it affects my family, my, my loved ones. Um, but I am doing good. I, I felt really well, uh, good after the game, past all the initial concussion test. Um, but yeah, given my history this year, obviously my third one, um, just going to have to take a little bit of time to make sure I recover properly and, um, can look and make sure I have the best opportunity to, to play again in the future. So I've had this week entirely off, which is um, unusual for any athlete mid-season to not do any training. I went down on Wednesday and seen the players before they went to Townsville. Um, and I've got another week off next week and then and a couple of scans. And then Monday week, I start to see the specialists who I've already seen um, in relation to my previous concussions this season. It looked like you got obviously caught a little bit wrong side and on the on the hip of Jennings and and. What what would do you, do you make of obviously the tackling tackling technique first and foremost? Well, it's frustrating for me because um, you know I'm putting myself in a vulnerable position on the field and allow allowing myself to um, yeah be put a, put in a position where I have suffered the head knocks. Now it's three times this year I've been I've been concussed when someone's been coming at me and I've ducked in and away to my right mm. and caught a knee or caught a hip. So it's obviously a habit. Um, it's not a good habit, not a good habit for my health, but one thing that does give me confidence is it's not a habit that's plagued me throughout my career, like previous to this year. I have had concussions in previous years, but not a cluster like this year. Uh, and I'm confident that, you know, given the opportunity and given the ability to have some time off, put some work in, um, you know, hopefully I can make sure I don't, I don't put myself in a vulnerable position like that again. So when you've played the game at such a high level and every single team you could have played for, you've played for, you've won a premiership, you've got a wife and two children, you see Boyd Cordner this week, yeah. one of the toughest blokes on the planet. How, what goes through your head when you're listening to that type of emotional uh, press conference that Boyd put on? Well, I was over there actually. So um, Boyd was a close friend of mine and the Roosters were wonderful. They had Trent Robinson ring me up the night before um, Boyd made his announcement and he invited a number of players who'd um, known Boyd for, throughout his career and who were close to Boyd, myself, Mitchell Pierce, Toddy Carney, Dylan Napa, and we were all invited over to the Roosters in the Sanctum 
um, before Boyd's press conference, just to take a moment for Boyd to announce it to his team, his family, his friends, and then just to have a little bit of a reflection of how much we appreciate Boyd and um, to congratulate him on everything he's achieved on, on the footy field. And I had an opportunity to go for breakfast with Boyd and his family after the, the press conference. Um, and, and, and we did chat a few things. Concussion was on there, um, but it wasn't the main topic, obviously, at a moment like that. But speaking to Boydie, it's, it's, it's a hard one, this sort of injury, because it's really individual and only mm. the individual knows. Mm. Um, there's no real method to it as yet to how you treat, um, treat it as a general because you can't. You need to take it on an individual case basis. And he felt different to Jake Friend. He, he said it in his press conference. He didn't really heed Jake's decision or advice because it was up to him yeah. ultimately. Mm. And, and Boydo was still suffering from some symptoms, you know, headaches and trouble sleeping and, you know, just not feeling right after training. Where areas I'm feeling okay, and in the sheds after the after the knocks, I feel okay. Whether you know the specialist and everything leads down a different path, and I have to address that later on. Well, that's all you know to be seen. Yeah. But just at the moment, I can only talk to how I feel. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm frustrated and disappointed to be missing time and and missing games, and like I said, putting myself in a vulnerable position um, on the field. But you know, the, the next part um, moving forward is to see the specialists and get an opinion and, and to work out the way forward. It, it is the hottest topic across all contact sports. I mean, you know, the links potentially to CTE and things like that. Does it worry you the long-term effects? Well, it does. It does in a sense. Of course it does. Um, you know, I've got a, two young boys and, and a family, a young family. And of course my health long-term is, you know, you need to have quality of life, mm. you know, with, with my family and with my friends and, you know, rugby league is a big part of my life, um, but it's not my whole entire life. There's going to be a, a much bigger chapter once, you know, once I can't mm. play the game anymore. But Well, we're watching videos just through the song there of you showing us your house in Canada, you know, playing with your kids on the on the, on the the lake and the ice and that sort of stuff. Amazing. You want to be able to do that stuff and you've done everything in the game. It's not like you're a youngster trying your best. You've played for your country, played for your state. You've won stuff. Yeah, and, and um, I'm confident that I'll, you know, still have that that life to live and, and, and move forward. Anyone who, who's played rugby league, um, or plays rugby league professionally as, as a profession, you know, the risk you, you have when you go out on that field, it's, mm. it's, we say it's a contact sport. Yes, it is a contact sport, but ultimately it's a collision sport. Yeah. Everything mm. is about the collision. You need, when you have the ball, you need to, you need to run into that collision and try and win that contest to get your team momentum. Mm. When you don't have the ball, the bloke run at you, you need to hit him in the collision and try and win the contest as a play to ball to slow momentum so the defense can do that. And, and you know this from a young age when, you, when you're chasing the dream. You know, I've had a lot of coaches um, over my career who've no doubt increased my skill and taught me uh, how to become a better player um, within, within the game and, and acquire new skills and knowledge about the game. But my dad shaped my mentality as a young guy. You see, when you go on the field, you need to you need to play hard, and you put your body on the line. You put mm. your body on the line, and you need to be willing to do that to, to play the game and have that mentality that you are going to go and, you know, sometimes put your head where you don't want it to be or, or stick your arm out to try and stop the game. And it is a game, and you need to be able to put it all in there to be successful. But at some stage, whether it's soon or you know, hopefully a few four, you know, three four years down the track. 
I won't be able to do that anymore. And mm. it, it comes for every player in every sport. Yeah. Eventually you can't do what you always have done. And then obviously my family and my health plays a big part in that. But at this stage right now, sitting here, you know, there's a process to go before I get to that stage and I'm still yeah. feeling confident within myself. And uh, we heard some stuff on Thursday night from Gerds, Jude. Yeah, absolutely. Listening in, obviously, to Triple M, NRL and Dan and Gerds. We're having a really good conversation before the Rabbitohs and Broncos game. We've got a horrible disparity, and I don't know how we fix that problem, Gerds. But you know how that disparity's been created, Dan? There used to be different ways to win footy games, and now there's not. So you used to be able to go into a contest with a, a lesser roster than the opposition and build so, strategy suffer- around teams. holding them down, getting in their face, hitting their key players, or whatever it may be that yeah, the game's been in. But now, and, and you can statistically, we were talking to some of the guys that were talking about you know, how many uh, favourites win the, every week. It's up around 80%. You yeah. look at this roster... How do Brisbane win? Well, you wouldn't think that they can. Huge discrepancy against the best teams versus the worst teams at the moment. Uh, Wade, what's your thoughts and, and do you agree with, with Gerds on those thoughts? They, they do make some good points, um, you know, especially you know, those guys who have played the game, especially in that era. Like You look at MG. You know, if, you, if you set him up against the Penrith team now, you know, back then you probably could have said, MG, mate, you just got one job today. Just take Nathan Cleary out of the game. Yeah. And if we lose you for the game, that's okay because they've lost Nathan. So that used to you used to be able to come up with different strategies. Some in MG's case probably not legal, <laughs> but others. And within, saying that, an unbelievable footballer too. Yes, you know, yeah, he, he gets pigeonholed a little bit like well, that. that was, but brilliant yeah, player. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, but yeah, so there was other ways to strategize within the game, whether it be, you know, someone like a Cameron Smith just buy some extra gra- um, time on the ground, holding him down because it, you know it affects him his service out of the hooker and, and, and things like that. But with the new, I, I sort of have. A different look at it. I, I just think the game changed so many, so much over the last five, six years. From it used to be really structured, and and you're able to just stay in the grind, stay in the grind until you got a penalty or there was a scrum or it went out, or and then you'd be able to have a set start. And a set start, you'd have two or three, you know, hit ups to a certain point in the field, and you, and you'd play from that um that point in the field. And it was really, really structured. Whereas I just think. You got to be able to play footy now within within live ball because mm. there isn't any set starts. They're all six agains, or yeah. there's there's not many penalties, not as pe- many penalties as it used to be. And you need to be, you need to have the ability to do the basics right, which is complete your sets and turn the ball over in good field position. But you also need to be able to play footy within the live ball with, without creative, the set starts. Creative ball players without the set Blue starts. And those yeah, are... well, tell you what, you've been playing since you're seventeen. You know, you got three or four years left of your particular career. How much has it changed over that period of time? It's just scary to even oh, well, think about it. You ask any player and you you know over the course of your career, the game changes. It, yeah. it always changes. And it's just, I feel like every time there's a new cycle, a new generation of young guys come through and they're all brilliant and they all do something different and, and then it just pushes the game forward. It pushes the game forward. But I think, you know, the Melbourne's independent at the moment, they're, you know, so far out in front because they play footy within the live ball while doing the basics so well. And it just pulls away from the other teams, pulls yeah. away. And I think the sooner, you know, the other other fourteen teams can, you know, Good follow, luck. follow their <laughs> follow their lead, the closer the competition will be. And boys, it's time now to speak to this man. Our next guest was born in the UK, but like all good things, we claim him as our own. Coming from great football stock, he's had a stellar career with teams like Man City, Brisbane Roar, and those foreigners Melbourne City, before seeing the light at Sydney FC. He's won a swag of awards, including Sydney FC's Player of the Year last year, and four A-League championships. And he may be about to add the fifth next weekend. Oh, Please welcome Dead Set Legend. 
Luke Bratton. Boys, the Sydney FC side, they've got a semi-final to play tonight against Adelaide. 7.05 at Jubilee. And we've got one of the guns, a real legend on the uh, line right now. Luke Bratton, how are you this morning, Lukey? Not bad, thanks, guys. How are you? Very well. Thanks for joining us on Game Day, mate. How, do you, how are you feeling? How pumped are you for tonight? Yeah, really pumped. Um, just woke up, had a good night's sleep, so I'm um, ready to go. You're chasing a, a historic uh, three-feet, Luke. Um, how, how's the team set up? Obviously, you, you, you are missing uh, a Socceroos trio in, in Andrew Redmayne, Ryan Grant and Ryan McGowan as well. Yeah, um, look, we, uh, we worked on it during the week. Uh, they're obviously huge losses. Uh, that's why they, they're playing the Socceroos because they're, they're great players. But I think that we've got the depth to, to cover them and the boys that are going to come in, they're going to do a great job like they, uh, like they did against Brisbane last week. G'day, Luke. Wade Graham from the Sharks, mate. Um, talk us through what your day is going to look like. I know it's a big game. Do you, do you change out your preparation? Do you keep it the same? Have we got anything different planned? No, not really. We um, try and keep it as, as normal as possible. Um, I've played in a fair few of them now, so I'm, I'm pretty experienced. So I like to just joke around, you know, keep it pretty light, um, have breakfast, go for a team walk, come back, do a bit of video, uh, have lunch, then we have a couple of hours to ourselves. So, some of the boys like to sleep, um, some of them don't, so I'll, I'll try and get at least an hour in. Um, and then you wake up and have a pretty much snack and then go to the game and, and prepare. It's just so exciting, mate, and hopefully an all-New South Wales or all-Sydney final because MacArthur obviously have got their game against the hot favourites in Melbourne City, they but moved. they've had to bring their game from Melbourne up to Sydney and they're going to be playing at Jubilee tomorrow. Real tough for them because they've been very dominant this season. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, they've they've lost a couple of their key players as well, uh, Melbourne City. So, you know, it's it, it's it is what it is. Um, we've got to have, we've got to deal with you know losing your, your sort of your best players for Socceroos, and um, they've had to do it as well. So, and obviously with the COVID and all that, it's um, it's been moved up here, which is it's unfortunate. But um, yeah, it is what it is. It's part of the job, and we we've got to adapt as players. Yeah. Luke, you had a big win against uh, Adelaide previously in the season. Uh, where do you see their threats uh, in tonight's game? Look, they're, they're a quality team. They've got a lot of young boys. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be as easy as that game last time. Um, they always come out pretty fiery. And, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a very tough game. They've, Like I said, they've got quality all over the pitch, um, especially up front. And they defend well as well. So, it's, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. Look, mate, we wish you all the best. And the fact you've joined us on Match Day Huge. means so much to us here. So we'll be watching you in particular and hoping Sydney FC get the job done and another grand final. And as June said, go for that three-peat. So thanks so much for joining us, Luke. No worries, mate. Cheers. That's the end of this show. But wait, oh, Jude and I would like to thank you so much for That's being amazing. a part of the show. And Is this other bike that we normally work with, what's his name? I think he's pretty quickly forgotten. I think you've Who? just... Well, uh, oh, I think it's Wendell. Yeah, Who? I think... You've moved moved on very quickly. I've moved on real quick. I tell you what, ninety percent is possession in this game. You know, and you've done a great, you've done a great job today. So thanks, mate. I'm going to get a barrage of texts and phone calls off Wendell now (laughs) for the week, (laughs) nicking all his gigs. Thanks for having me, mate. It's it's been fun, and um, yeah, anytime you need me to come off the bench, I'll be available. Good on you, mate. Thanks a lot, Wade. That's Wade Graham there joining us on the Dead Set Legends.